So this morning, how many, would you agree with me if I were to tell you that we live in a dark world? So this morning, I just opened my little um, news tab on my web browser and just went to the first newspaper that popped up. It was USA Today. Not that I necessarily recommend USA Today as reading, but just popped it up. Here's, here's the first few things. Death toll in a Moroccan earthquake. Football coach accused of sexual harassment. What else? Putin, North Korea. Just cyberbullying. How many know there's not a lot of good news in the paper? There's not a lot of good news on television. There's, a lot of not, there's not a lot of good news around. So today, I'm going to talk about how you and I can invade the world with good news. We're going to talk about bringing light into a dark world. And here's what we're going to do. I want you to understand this. If you don't understand anything else I say today, grasp this. That the single most significant thing we can ever do on this planet is to expose people to the gospel. There's nothing you will ever do more important, more significant than exposing another human being to the gospel of Christ. So here's what I need you to know. This sermon is about evangelism, not making any apologies for it. And I, I get it. Evangelism, that's one of those crazy words that sometimes, uh, if, if you haven't been around church a, a, long, a long time, you're like, what is, what is that about? Let me just tell you, evangelism simply means when God's people tell people who are far from God about Jesus. And that's what evangelism is. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let me tell you what today's not going to be. It's not going to be how to win your heathen neighbor to Jesus in three easy steps. Okay, it's not it's what it's not going to be. It's not going to be how to craft your conversion story on the back of a business card so you can give it to somebody at Starbucks. It's not going to be about your failure as a Christian because you don't have the Romans road to salvation memorized and tattooed on your forearm for easy reference. It's not what it's going to be. See, here's what I know, y'all. I know that people get uncomfortable when this, su this subject comes up. In fact, it's probably uh, the second most uncomfortable topic that preachers can talk about. Sharing your faith is probably second only to sharing your money. <laughs> Calm down, we're not talking about money today. <laughs> we get uncomfortable because we feel awkward sharing our faith. We get uncomfortable because we're not actively sharing our faith. And hearing teaching about it makes us feel guilty. You don't like this subject because maybe you think it's for pastors and church leaders and super Christians. Or maybe it makes you uncomfortable because you don't like people that much. So hopefully over the next few minutes you'll see that evangelism really is for you. Maybe it's not what you think it is. But it's for you. Read, read this passage along with me. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 to 16 says... You are the light of the world. In a dark world, who's the light? You. You are. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And gives its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Will you pray along with me? Father, in the name of that is indeed above every name. The name of Jesus who was and is and is to come. God, we thank you that the Creator knows our name. And God, I thank you that the Creator knows the name of every soul on this planet. And you have tasked us as your children to help share the good news. To help bring light into a dark world. Teach us today a little more about what that might look like. In Jesus' name. Everybody said so several years ago, I asked the Lord for a simple way to help me understand, and not just understand, but to explain to other people what evangelism should look like. And he showed me a pile of Oreos. The Lord speaks my language. I've only shared this one other time, but it, it, to me, this just makes sense. So first of all, let me ask you a question. Who likes Oreos? 
Almost every hand. Who, who would, if I gave you an Oreo right now, who would eat it? All right, Scott, Big Mike, come up here. Come get your Oreo. Come, here. come on, come on, come on, come on. Who else? Somebody from this side. Kaylee wants an Oreo. Come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, come on, come on. Rachel, Rachel, Crow's Nest wants an Oreo. Well, Crow's Nest needs to come down here and get it. Kaylee, you take two. We'll get one for Lance. He would, he would appreciate it. Come here, Rachel. Get your. Oh, John John wants an Oreo. Everybody give it up for John John. Give it up for John John. John. You want, I know you want two. Oh, yeah, good. Becky came all the way down from the crow's Give it up for Becky from the crow's nest. So, Tolly don't want to walk all the way up. She got somebody else's. Tolly got an Oreo. I'm just going to tell you that what I'm doing right now is my absolute favorite snack on the planet, and I never eat it. Do you know why? Because it is so, so bad for you. In fact, I, we don't buy Oreos at my house because if they're in my house, guess what they are shortly thereafter? Gone. But once a month, we have a a rehearsal, and somebody always brings Oreos, and they always go home with Dwayne. <laughs> Oreos are awesome, and they should be shared. Do you agree? Yes. So let's talk about what sharing Oreos. I can't believe Danny Huff did come up here and get an Oreo. <laughs> let's talk about what sharing Oreos might teach us about sharing our faith. First of all, listen. Before I can share Oreos, what do I have to have? I have to own some Oreos. Before I can share them, I've got to possess them. Is that right? You can't share something you don't have. One of the fee- reasons I, feel, I think people are uncomfortable about sharing their faith is that they don't have a faith to share. I'll tell you a story. I think I've told this story once before, but I don't know. Here, here we go. Don and I were on vacation with the boys at uh, this resort that had been given to us. Uh, and somebody had given us a week at this resort. And so when we checked in, they said, listen, if you want a $100 gift card, come sit in this presentation. And I'm thinking, $100 for a couple hours of my life? I'll do that. We sent the boys off to the pool, and we went to this presentation. And it was two hours of misery. <laughs> How many of you have been in a timeshare presentation? It is awful, awful, awful. But, but this one struck me as a little odd because this... This salesman was doing a great job of telling me about all of these exotic and tropical places we could visit if we just purchased this opportunity. And so I got curious and I said, you tell me which one of these is your favorite? And he said, well, I've I've never been to any of those. And I said, "You're, you're telling me that none of these places that you're trying to encourage me to go to you have visited personally and he said well they don't give us a lot of vacation time in fact i don't i don't really spend a whole lot of time outside of this office at this resort and i said you're trying to sell me something that you've never done listen don't drive a chevy and try to sell me a ford listen to me as long as your greatest argument for faith is somebody else's experience, you'll never be a Christian of influence. And so I wanted to pause here and tell you that if you're in the room and you say, Dwayne, I'm not a Christ follower, would you, would you just take these next few moments to consider surrendering your life to the one that loved you more than you can ever imagine? And I promise you, listen, when you really fall in love with Jesus, nobody has to beg you to talk about him. Write this down. I can't share my faith until I have a faith to share. The next thing the Oreos teach us about evangelism is that before I can share Oreos, I got to find somebody that wants Oreos. What's the first thing I said? Who likes Oreos? Every hand went up, right? So how do you find somebody that wants 
what you're sharing. Well, I wonder how many people that are already inside your circle of influence are far from God. How many people at your place of business? How many people in your neighborhood? How many, how many people in your home are far from God? How many people in your family are far from God? Now listen, there are people, I believe this with all of my heart, that are gifted with the gift of evangelism and can walk up to strangers on the street and share their faith. There are you know, sometimes there's a dude in Loganville that'll stand there in front of the quick trip and with a megaphone and a tie and preach into a megaphone. And, I, and, and God has gifted people to do things like that. But I'm going to tell you, and, and maybe you, you could argue with this, but I believe that most people find Christ in the context of a relationship with another human being. In, in fact, really, sharing your faith with a, with a stranger is much less risky. Because you'll probably never see that dude again. Sharing your faith with somebody you work beside, somebody you live beside, somebody that sleeps in the same house that you do, that's risky. You're risking a relationship. But can I tell you, the greatest impact you can ever have is exposing someone else to the gospel of Christ. That's why it's critical that we're intentional about relationships. Here's the way it works. You build a relationship and the Holy Spirit opens the door. To share, you got to find somebody. You might argue with this next feeling, but I want you to fill it in anyway. I can't share my faith until I've earned the right to be heard. Now, I guess that's not accurate. You can share your faith, but for it to be effective in, in, in the context of a relationship, and I get it, some of us, you know, the, the Bible's the only authority I need. Well, that might be true. But if you want somebody to receive what you're selling, what you're sharing, if you, somebody to, you, you want somebody to smell what you're stepping in, listen to me. It requires you to... I, I remember when we were in Statesboro, we built this beautiful coffee shop and game room for our teenagers. And this mom of one of our students came in and she said, man, I think this is cool that you're building this to reach teenagers that don't go to church here. And I said, well, that's part of the reason we built it, but that's not the main reason we built it. She said, why'd you build it? I said, to reach your kid. You, you just wouldn't believe how many conversations you can have over a ping pong table or a foosball table or bless God, we bought the cool coffee machine. See, I, I believe that God is challenging us in this moment. L listen, I, I'm sad to say this, but you have a lot more influence out there than I do. Because as soon as they find out I'm a pastor, guess what? Many times I get shut off. But you build a relationship with somebody, and you love somebody, and you share a genuine faith, good things happen. I've never pressured anybody into the kingdom. I've never argued anybody in the kingdom. I've never debated anyone into the kingdom. I have loved a few into the kingdom. Hmm. And the last thing that Oreos teaches us is before I can share my Oreos, I got to love you more than I love my Oreos. <laughs> I have to care about someone enough to step out of my comfort zone, to get messy. To risk a relationship. I want to share something with you. I've only shared this one other time. Uh, Mark Ford and I taught this book on Wednesday nights a long time ago. And several years ago, I was studying a, about an evangelism sermon. And I opened this book and some of Mark's notes fell out and I kept them. And I want to share just a couple of things that he wrote. For many of us, instead of walking toward people who need, y'all need to let this settle, let's listen. Instead of walking toward people who need God's redemptive love, we develop an aversion to non-believers, 
going to all lengths to avoid the exact people Christ came to redeem. talked about compassion he said i believe that true compassion is really about looking at people through the lens of eternity everybody you meet this week everybody in your family everybody in this building everybody you've ever come in contact with will spend eternity in one of two places and god might have divinely placed you in someone's life for the distinct purpose of building a relationship with someone so you can expose them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could it be that that person that gets on your last nerve is not in your life by accident? Could it be that God has placed certain difficult people, and that makes sense if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, certain difficult people in your life for the sole purpose of exposing them to the goodness of God and the great things He's done? Here's the deal. One of the biggest obstacles to the spreading of the gospel of Christ is Christians who have forgotten what it feels like to be rescued. Christians who forgot what it feels like to be broken and empty before a bloody cross. Write this down. A genuine faith in Christ is expressed in a genuine love for others. See, I said it much nicer. Read the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He said, if you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. That's in the book, y'all. We somehow, we somehow have this idea that we're better than the degenerates of the world. It's because we... You've heard me say this many times, but I want you to hear it for the first time today. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. Everyone in this building is in desperate need of a Savior. His name is Jesus, and all have sinned and fallen short of His glorious standard. And apart from Him, we stand before a God naked and ashamed. So now, are you thankful for the grace and mercy of Christ Jesus? When you really remember all that Jesus has done for you and where you'd be without Him, you don't need an evangelism strategy. You don't need a technique to share your faith. When the love of Christ resides in your heart, it will come out of your mouth. (laughs) Bow your heads with me. Take a moment. Take a moment and reflect and remember the moment you knelt, you prayed, you bowed your head and surrendered your life to Christ. Take a moment and remember that. And what ought to happen in your heart is extreme humility and gratitude. And if you can't remember that moment, Maybe, maybe you ought to kneel at the cross of Calvary again. (laughs) In other words, y'all, how about this? Don't forget what the Oreo tastes like. Don't forget what it's like to need Jesus. So... You guys have heard a lot of my story, so I'm not going to bore you with it. Uh, but but I'll, I'll just take you back. I'm, I'm 14, 15 years old, maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit older. Don and I weren't married. I were, I'm at my home church, and, and I, I just have this encounter with the Lord. It was probably on Sunday night. How many of you know it always got rowdy at you know, the church on Sunday night? That was, and that's the way it was at my home church. It was probably on Sunday night, and I prayed this prayer. And I had no idea that this one prayer would completely alter the course of my life. I still, rem- I, could, I still remember where I was standing when I prayed this prayer. Such a simple prayer. I said, God, I'm going to ask you for two things. I want you to give me a love for your word and a love for people. The direction of my life changed that night. 
Because God answered that prayer. From that day to now, I love God's word. And, and listen, I've told you this before, but I want you to hear this with conviction. You, you might have had pastors that were better preachers and better leaders, but you've never had a pastor that loves you like I love you. I, and I'm telling you that with conviction this morning. I be, And that's the kind of love he wants all of his children to have toward a world that's lost and dying. The love that Jesus had. Because, listen, the single most significant thing we can ever do on this planet is to expose people to the gospel. You're going to hear me say that a couple times today. We have these two struggles. And I get it. I, I know it's uncomfortable sharing your faith, especially when it's risky. Write this down. Two of the greatest obstacles to Christians sharing their faith are complacency and a lack of confidence. Let's talk about a lack of confidence first. When I say lack of confidence, often it's, I'm not sure I'd know what to say. And, and listen, I know most of y'all. And you get a lot of words. In fact, I did a little experiment today that you didn't even know about. If you had a conversation with me today, you initiated it. Some of y'all thought I was being snobby this morning because I didn't say anything to you. I waited for you to say something to me. Every, so if you had a conversation with me today, you initiated it. Except for Angie, I was freaking out because I forgot my microphone and I was told it. So, except for Angie, if you had a conversation with me, you initiated it. So, I'm gonna, so don't tell me you don't know how to initiate a conversation because you do. See, it's easy for us to initiate conversations about the Bulldogs or about the Braves or about the price of gas or about, you know, politics. It's e That's why it's got to be genuine. You've got to be in love with Jesus. We're, we're not, we don't have confidence on our presentation. We don't have confidence in the response. I'm not sure how they're going to be received. I'm not sure what they're going to say. We don't have confidence in the purpose, in other words, you think, I'm not sure it'd do any good. That person's never going to get saved. That person's never given their heart to the Lord. That person's never going to come to church with me. Well, probably not, if, if that's your attitude. So it's a lack of confidence. It's a lack of, or it's a, it, it, it's a lack of confidence and complacency. Could it be that we've traded the great commission for comfort? Pastors think it's the church member's job. Church members think it's the pastor's job. The last thing Jesus said before he left this planet was go, go, go into all the world. Tell them what I've done. Teach them about me. He wasn't talking, I mean, he was talking to his disciples, but guess what? The disciples talked to other disciples that talked to other disciples that talked to other disciples. Then somebody talked to you, and aren't you glad they did? Yes. I've heard people say, I'm just not comfortable with spiritual conversations. It's not my thing. Can I, can I get preachery for just a minute? I dare you to tell that to Jesus. It's not my thing. It's not my thing? Helping people not go to hell is not my thing? We get complacent because you don't really believe that people will spend eternity in one or two places. That's why we get complacent. We don't really believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Does that sting a little? Good, y'all. Because here's what I believe. Sometimes I have conversations with some of y'all about the condition of this world and all the crazy things that's happening. And, and oh, by the way, there are some crazy things that's happening. I, 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 get, I get links from some of y'all about news articles, about stuff that's going on overseas and and. and 
it's, it's unbelievable. And, I, and every time I read one of those or get one of y'all's emails that you forwarded to me and I have a chance to read, it, there, there's one thing that goes on in my mind. Oh my God, the clock is ticking. If there's ever been a need for urgency for what I'm talking about today, it's now. And I can read your mind sometimes and it's scary. Do I see what you're doing, Dwayne. You're, we got this welcome home thing next week. And you're trying to, you know, twist our arms to invite people. Yes, I am. But I want you to hear me and hear me well. I'm not trying to twist your arms to fill this building. I'm trying to twist your arms to help me depopulate hell. That's our goal. And if you know me, you know my heart. So I'm going to give you three things really quickly to overcome our lack of confidence and our complacency. Number one is invest. First thing, listen to me. Are you intentionally investing in your own spiritual development? In other words, are you growing? Are you closer to Jesus today than you were this time last month, last week, last year? If you're not, you can fix that. We have things here that you can, that'll help you grow. You have, uh, we, we're fortunate to live in an age where you've got discipleship materials at your, everywhere. So are you intentionally investing in your own spiritual development? Are you intentionally investing your life into someone else for the distinct purpose of exposing them to the gospel? Not because of your golf buddy, not because you're your hunting buddy, your lunch buddy, your coffee buddy. Not be, for, that the goal for your connection with another human being on this planet is that God would open a door for you to expose them to the gospel. Are you investing in somebody that way? No, oh, by the way, when you say, I don't, I don't know what to say, getting to know somebody like that goes a long way to helping you know what to say. So invest. Everybody say Invest. Second thing is invite. And, and I, I really think it looks, it's, it, it's two ways. First of all, it's the invitation to trust Christ. <laughs> the invitation to eternal life. And I, I hear you. Dwayne, I still don't know if I can do that. Well, well, first of all, you can. But if you can't, then invite somebody to an environment where somebody will invite them to trust Christ. I, I don't know the right words. Well, here's, I'm going to help you with some. Come to church with me. So you invite people to follow Christ or you invite them into an environment when somebody else will. And that's exactly what next Sunday is all about. Here's these silly, beautiful, incredible Invite cards. How much effort does it take, y'all? How much effort does it take to be having coffee with somebody and go, oh, by the way, my church is doing something kind of cool next week. I'd love for you to come. Wow, that was risky, wasn't it? No. And oh, by the way, the first one I invited for next Sunday told me no. You'll get a couple no's. You might get a dozen no's. I don't know. But, but what, about, what about the one that says, Huh, okay. What about the one? What have, we been, what have we been talking about on Wednesday nights? The one. What about the one? Who's that one in your world that would benefit from being connected to a family just like this? Who's that one in your world that would benefit from coming and hearing a crazy preacher just talk about Jesus and explain it in a way that, that, that they can understand? Who in your world? Who's the one? Who's the one? What's it about? Is it about building this building? Do we want the building filled? Of course. Of course. But that's not why we put this date on the calendar, y'all. So we in invest, we invite, and we trust. God will be obedient and will trust you with the outcome. But never forget who we serve. Romans 1 and 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power 
of God at work. Saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. By the way, nobody's going to get saved because you give them this beautiful card that Bridget designed. Give it up for Bridget. No, that, that's not why somebody's going to get saved. You know why somebody's going to get saved? Look at me. Because the Holy Spirit has already gone before them and been, been tilling the soil of their heart. And they're just waiting for somebody to show up in their life to have that divine moment. And, and God's going to use this card to, as a catalyst to say yes to what God's already been dealing with their hearts about. Does that make sense, y'all? the most significant thing we can ever do on this planet is to expose people to the gospel. And here's the truth. Someone in your world, someone you already know, someone that's already in your circle of influence, someone needs to hear your story. Can I say that again? Somebody needs your story. Somebody needs to hear what God did for you. Do you know people will argue with Scripture? Of course they will. People argue with Scripture, they'll argue with a preacher. Nobody can argue with a person with an experience and an encounter with Christ. How many of you say, Dwayne, I've had an encounter with Christ. How long would it take me to argue you out of it? Nothing I could say. Nothing I could say to tell you that Jesus isn't real and that God doesn't exist and that Christ doesn't change lives. Nothing I could do to change your mind about that. Am I right? That's the conviction this world needs. That, that God really does change lives. That God really does take homes that are broken and put them back together again. That God really does take the attic and wash him clean and sets him on a brand new path. The world needs to hear that from people with a story just like yours. In order to do that, y'all, we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> if you start a new job, they're going to teach you the main part of that job, aren't they, first? All right, so a few years ago, I drove a school bus. Anybody ever driven a school bus? See, me and two other crazy people in this room. <laughs> Am I right? It's crazy, right? It's, it's insane. It's it's. So let me tell you what they teach you if you go to bus driver training school. They're going to teach you how to manage children through a four-inch mirror. They're going to teach you how to read a route sheet. Right, right, right. They're going to teach you how to turn and when to turn your paperwork in. Right? They're going to teach you all that. But guess what they're going to teach you first? How to drive the bus. Because none of the rest of it means anything if you put that thing in the ditch. So what's the main thing? What's the most important part of being a Christian? It's the most important part. So Catholics would say that the most important part is to participate in Mass, the sacraments, and confession. That's what, that's what Catholics would say. A good Pentecostal guy would say that the most important thing was to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's what a good Pentecostal would say. Good Baptist would talk about water baptism and an understanding of the Roman road to salvation. That's what a good Baptist would say. A good Methodist would quote their founder, John Wesley, and say that the world is our parish and that being involved in mission work and social justice is the most important thing. A good non-denominational Christian would say it's important to be relevant to culture and have a cool website. That's Tim Hawkins. I can't take credit for him. So what's most important? Truthfully, the what's most important question is one of the reasons we have so many different denominations in this world today. Interestingly enough, a group of people asked Jesus the same question. What's most important? What's the most important part of this religion? What's the most important part of this law? See, they were trying to 
trap him into some weird answer that would incriminate him. So the religious leaders said, Jesus, of all the commandments, what's the most important one? And Jesus said these words. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Could it be that the most important thing we'll ever learn as followers of Christ is to love God and love people? Now, are there, are there other parts of our doctrine and our dogma and other parts of our uh, statement of belief? Of course there are. Of course there are. But if we don't capture those first two, to love God, to love others, what does it mean? And I'm going to tell you that the greatest way you can love somebody else is to introduce them to Jesus. So I'm going to give you six things in the time we've got left. Six things the way how, how you and I can bring light into a dark world. The first one is don't try to give away something you don't have. And I said that to say this. Don't. You're never going to impress anybody with your religion. You're never going to impress anybody with your cool, hip, trendy Instagram posts. They're, you know, they are what they are. You're probably not going to significantly impact somebody's life with a social media post. Here's how you can significantly impact somebody's life. Developing a faith that is genuine and authentic. Please, please hear my heart here. I'm a student of what the culture thinks about the church, the big C church. And oh, by the way, not a fan. There's been so many news articles, so many stories about how the church has failed. What the world is looking for is something that is genuine, something that is real. And so before we worry about, uh, about filling this building up, I want you to be concerned about developing a faith that's real and authentic. See, see, genuine faith changes your life. It changes the way you spend your money. It changes the way you spend your time. It changes the way you do your job. It changes the way you treat your wife. It changes the way you raise your children. It changes the way you interact with your friends. Genuine faith changes everything. Genuine faith is much deeper than an hour on Sunday. Genuine faith is a part of you with every breath you take. And if, if that's not the kind of faith that you have today, I'm not judging you. Please, you know me. You know, I, I, that's not how I roll. I'm, I'm not here to judge you. But I am here to offer you a different way. That if... if if you'll be serious about your faith and about, the, uh, about walking closely with Christ, it'll change everything. Does that mean that every day is easy? No, that's not what it means at all. It does mean you walk through life with purpose and passion for other people. It does mean that God will find a way to make your life count for something significant. And isn't that what we really want out of life? Don't we want to lay our head down on, on our deathbed at some, you know, when we're 107? It's prophetic. And feel like we've done something with our life that counted? Can I tell you, the only way you'll ever really do anything significant in this world is to put your life in the hands of the one that created it. Follow him and follow him closely. Second thing, pray a dangerous prayer. In fact, I would challenge you to pray that prayer today. 
Lord, give me a love for other people. Give me a genuine love for people who are far from God. Oh. Man, don't get me wrong. I feel it rising up in me sometimes too. When I, I read the news or I read uh, what's going on in our world and how the, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, but the truth is Satan has an agenda. He wants your children. He's putting all kinds of nonsense in their path and it infuriates me. But guess what? The answer is not my fury. The answer is people who will fall so in love with Jesus, they know how to call on the God of heaven for change. And that will reach out to another human being and expose them to the gospel. Number three, take confidence in the power of God, not in your abilities. Can I, can I let you in on a little secret? Usually about... Halfway through the last worship song, I'm sitting right there where my sweet wife is, and my stomach is in knots. I, am, I, don't, I don't like to use the word fear because I don't believe God's given us a spirit of fear. Power and love and sound minds, what Scripture says. But I'm like, oh Lord, I've got to walk up there and say some words. I gotta say some words, and it looks good on my paper, it looks good on my iPad, but I don't know what they're gonna do with it. The only reason I get up behind this desk every Sunday is because I know that it's not my ability, but the but the power of the Holy Spirit who has a way of taking mortal words and impacting your life with them. It's not me. I, in fact, sometimes you guys come up and will say, Dwayne, when you said this, it really meant something. I'm like, I don't think I said that. But the Holy Spirit has a way. The same is true for you. Listen, I'm not asking you to, to go home and take some evangelism course on YouTube so you can go to work tomorrow and you know, win the, the, the world. No. Be confident in the God that created you and the God that loved you. All right, number four, accept your God-given responsibility. Those last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples when he said, go into all the world, we don't call that the great suggestion. We call it the great commission. If you're a follower of Christ, your God-given responsibility is to go to others and talk about Jesus. Your God-given responsibility is to share with the world what Christ has done. Read John chapter 4, the woman at the well. One of the most powerful stories in the whole New Testament. John chapter 4, Jesus shows up at the woman on the well. In fact, I, the chosen people aren't paying me for this, but, but re, watch the episode of The Chosen with, with uh, the woman at the well. I think it's season 1, episode 4, something like that. If you don't know what The Chosen is, come talk to me later. I'll explain to you. The, Jesus confronts this woman with her sin and confronts this woman with her faulty religious ideals. And then he reveals himself. And if, if you'll drink of the water I'll give you, you'll never thirst again. And the Bible says she dropped everything she had and went back and told the world, told her town, and here's, come see a man. <laughs> see, that's, that's our responsibility. It's like, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't have all the answers. Come see a man. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in your life, and I don't know what's going to happen in your marriage, and I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen on your job. I don't know, but come see a man. See, I, I, I think that you and I have to accept that responsibility as a commission from God. That's just not my thing. Stop. Fifth thing. <laughs> Invest, invite, and trust. Why do you think I gave you that twice? Because I won't, it, it, it's a huge deal. Invest in you. Invest in somebody else. 
Invite, trust God with the outcome. And lastly, love God, love people. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you in our closing moments. Donna, come on. <clears throat> and you can grab Oreo on your way by if you want to. I'm going to share something with you on... Those of you who have been coming on Wednesday nights, we've been going through this book called One at a Time, and it's all about loving the world the way Jesus loved them, one, one person at a time. Jesus fed the 5,000, but he loved people one at a time. Didn't he just... Don't you just love the Lord? And see, so I read to you Matthew chapter 5 where he said, where he said uh, you're the light of the world. But just before that, he said, you are the salt of the earth. So he called us two things. You are salt and you are light. And we got to talking about the idea of being salty. Now, sometimes if you call people salty, that's not a compliment, right? Well, she walked in and she got on the wrong side of the bed. She's a little salty when she got here. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't do that. There's enough people doing that. Amen, amen, and amen. When we talk about being salty, what if we looked at the world? What if we looked at every conversation you have tomorrow with this goal? I'm going to try to do two things. I'm going to try to put some light on it. In other words, it's, it's a dark, dark world, but the light of... Christ lives in me, so I'm going to try to put some light on it, and I'm going to try to put some salt on it. The conversations I have tomorrow I'm, with, with my family, with my wife, with my children, with my co-workers, with my neighbors, with folks that I can connect with relationally, even to strangers, what if I have this one goal? that my goal tomorrow is with the conversation that I have is to put some light on it. Put some salt on it. Don't be one of those Christians that leave people walking away darker and less salty than when they walked into your life. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? you you've met some folks and they're just like, I've never been more depressed than I, am, than, than I am right now after this conversation. Don't be that guy. I guess what I'm trying to tell you guys is There's never been a, a, a better time to be serious about our faith and to be serious about sharing it than today. So I want us to pray together before we leave. And I'm challenging y'all. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. I, 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 want you to, I want you to grab all of those cards. All, okay, don't one person grab all of them collectively grab all of those cards every one of them every one of them and put them in somebody's hand invite somebody and, and listen I thank you guys for sharing the Facebook stuff and it's and there'll be more this week you guys are doing a great job sharing that and I want you to continue doing that if you will say amen but I'm going to tell you nothing replaces a face to face invitation nothing so I'm just going to challenge you well Dwayne I, I don't know if I can do that yes you can y yes you can in fact when we pray in just a moment we're going to ask God to put one person on your heart one person one person And when he does, I want you to commit to invest, invite, and trust God with the outcome. Will you pray with me, Father, in Jesus' name? I am challenged today to accept my commission go into the world and preach and teach and make disciples. To go into the world and establish relationships with folks who might be far from you. To love people like you've loved me. To love people with the love of Christ. To share about all the wonderful things you've done in me. I'm challenged. 
And God, I believe that right now you are challenging others in this room to accept our God-given responsibility. So God, I pray that in everyone in this room, God, that you'd put somebody on our heart, a person to reach out to you with a word, with a text message, with a phone call, to invite them to encounter Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would convict us to be obedient to what you've told us to do. God, if there's one or ten here today that, that aren't walking with you, God, I pray that in this moment, God, that they might surrender their life to the Lordship of Christ Jesus, that they would approach you for forgiveness of our sin because we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That we would ask you to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that we would leave this building today committed to trusting the God that sent his only son who loved and lived and died and rose again. Jesus' name. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's sing this chorus just one time. for the Lord an ovation of praise for his goodness, his grace, his mercy.